I want to begin this morning by telling you a, a very brief story about Isaac Basheva Singer, the Yiddish writer who won the Nobel Prize and was one of uh, the luminaries of uh, the Jewish world in the 20th century. And he tells a story, I think, and maybe in his book, Lost in America, his memoir about when he came here, but in one of his books, he tells the story of the first time as an immigrant, he went to a cafeteria, probably a Horn and Hard Arts, which used to be very popular in New York. And he'd never been to one before. And he said it was like walking into a nightmare because everybody, all the waiters were walking around with trays and nobody would serve him. He had no idea that you had to go pick up your own food. He just thought everybody with a tray was a waiter and he sat there and sat there until somebody finally explained it to him. And I say this because one of the things that we know about life is that life has certain fixed rules. You walk into a cafeteria, you take your own tray. Walk into a car, you turn it on, you drive on a certain side of the street. There are rules that are social conventions that everybody agrees with. And when you are young, I think that most of us assume that as we get older, the rules that are confusing will become clear. And we will understand better how to live. And some of the mysteries will clarify themselves. And in fact, some of them do. But it is also true that as you get older, the puzzle gets bigger. And a lot of things that you thought you would understand when you were young become not less mysterious, but have more aspects and more depth, more ramifications and greater breadth. And anybody who at age 50, 60, 70, 80, 100, tells you that they understand love or life, they're not telling you the truth. They understand more of it, they see more of it, but there are so many mysteries in this world. And I want to talk this morning about one of those things that is impossible to get right because it's a mystery. Parshat Pinchas is all about zealotry. Pinchas sees Zimri and Cosby, a Midianite and an Israelite, and because they are together, he thinks it is right to kill them, and he does, and he's praised for it, but then also there's a lot of commentary that condemns him. And in fact, God gives him a covenant of peace afterwards, as if to counterbalance the zealotry with peace. And the rabbis and later commentators talk about this a great deal. Part of it is, when should you be a zealot? What should you be unceasingly insistent on? When people march, no matter what they're marching for, there's a certain urgency to their demands. There's a zealotry and an unceasing sense of this must be done. And it should be done now. And it should be done completely because zealotry demands a certain perfection. And before you think that I'm talking about someone else, everyone has this element of zealotry, all of us. And when we 
march, whether literally or figuratively, when we insist, when we throw down the newspaper or these days click on the link and get angry and send it around to all our friends because this is wrong or this is right. It's part of the zealot that lives in all of us that is coming out. Now, as I said at the beginning, life is complicated. If you think I'm going to give you a sermon that says zealotry is wrong, you're wrong. Because sometimes zealotry is essential. Who would want the allies during World War II to say, yeah, I'll fight a little. But I'm not going to really mobilize because I don't want to be a zealot. Who would want your surgeon to take a look inside you at an operation and go, I'll do a little bit of a job, but I don't want to be too insistent about it. I don't want to be too urgent. I'm not a zealot after all. No, we need zealotry. But the problem, of course, is how do you get the covenant of peace, as Pinchas did in the zealotry? And weirdly, I think, Part of the answer, because I don't have an answer since I started off by saying the puzzle gets bigger and there are no answers, but part of an answer is hidden in the Parsha in a phrase that comes before Pinchas that most of us ignore. It's in a genealogy, and genealogies, after all, are never all that fun. But as it's going through the genealogies, it says, Ubnei Korach lo metu, the sons of Korach didn't die. Now, if you remember back, to the rebellion of Karach, you remember that the ground swallowed up all the rebels, and it was Karach and his family that rebelled, but B'nai Karach lo metu. Why didn't his sons die? I think that this is the Torah's implicit recognition that even in the moment of zealotry, these people were bad. They were doing an awful thing. They were punished. But it's never so simple. Some of you send me articles. And sometimes I will respond as follows. I have read this author. And they always say the same thing on the same side. They may make good points. But they're polemicists. They're not analysts. They're there to make an argument for their side. They're not there to evaluate the both sides. And to give the other side credit when they do something that is right. They are zealots. And zealotry in an age in which we are screaming at one another is not, I think, the best approach. Some of you know that I had a dialogue on Instagram, the first time I've ever had a dialogue on Instagram, with Stephen Jackson, who's the basketball player, who seemed to defend... Deshaun Jackson's anti-Semitic remarks. And Stephen Jackson himself made an anti-Semitic remark. And one of our congregants, a member of our community, Josh Athut, asked me if I would speak to him on Instagram. And I said, absolutely. And I think the dialogue was interesting and productive and was a first step. But you know how many people on both sides, to me and to him, said, how could you speak to that person? Don't you know that they're deceptive? 
that they're not going to give any ground, that they don't mean what they say if they say something nice. And we laughed about the fact that we both got letters from our zealots. And I thought, the world can't continue that way. Yes, there are things we should be zealous about, but also, also, we have to be opened to the possibilities that those whom we dislike, disapprove of, oppose, and fight, they have something to say. B'nai Korach lometu. God didn't put Korach's children to death because even Korach's children, they had a spark. They might be able to contribute later on in ways you cannot imagine. And the only way you know that you will not be able to hold someone's hand in the future is if you shut the door on them. Zealotry is satisfying. And sometimes it's necessary. But also, also there has to be the willingness to reach out. This is the three weeks before the destruction of the temple. Why was the temple in Jerusalem destroyed? The answer that the rabbis give is sinat chinam, baseless hatred. But remember that it was the zealots who insisted on a revolt against Rome because this could not stand any longer. Who in the end lost the revolt, lost the temple, and lost Jerusalem. The Maccabees were zealots and they won. So you never know. But the Sicarii and others who fought in the second temple period, they were the zealots that lost. And they lost for 2,000 years. So I thought under this Shabbat that it would be appropriate to read to you a short passage from Rav Kook who was the chief rabbi before Israel became a state, a mystic, a scholar, a great man. And this is what he wrote. Tolerance is armed with very great faith because the life of the living God fills all life. So even when actions come out destructive, where points of view collide in heresy, there still must be in the midst of the heart, in the depth of the soul, the living light, of hidden holiness. And this is apparent even on ravaged avenues, touched by heresy and corroded by doubt. From the midst of this great holy knowledge and faith comes tolerance, which encircles everything with a thread of kindness. Which encircles everything with a thread of kindness. Are there times for zealotry? Yes. But they're a last resort, not a first resort. When someone says something objectionable, that's not a time to be a zealot. It's a time to reach out, to understand, to listen, to try to educate, enlighten, and uplift. In the end, in the end, Pinchas has a yud added to his name because he needed a little more God.
And the Yud, as you know, stands for God's name in Hebrew. We all need a little more God who stands above partisan fights. Not that you don't take a point of view, but that you do it with some humility and some listening. Pinchas is a good tale. Sometimes God knows in our history, we've needed zealotry and will again. But check yourself. Is this zealotry coming out of love or out of anger? Out of goodness or out of frustration and fury? Is everything encircled with a thread of kindness? The older we get, the bigger the puzzle. None of us have figured it out, but we're still trying. Shabbat Shalom.